Life Audio. Creation and redemption. What do these two have to do with each other and how do we see them in the Psalms? We're going to look at that connection that David makes in today's Psalm. And I think what you will see is when we learn about God as creator, it points forward to God as the redeemer. So I'm looking forward to unpacking this a little bit with you. We're going to hear a quick word from our sponsor and then we're going to get into today's message. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what he says in his word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach. And I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand his will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we're continuing our psalm studies. And again, like always, if you are wanting to maybe start back at square one at the beginning of the psalms and the introduction to the psalms, those are always available to you. We also have a psalms guided journal. So far we have one through 50 out that's available at shehears.org, which it gives you some journal prompts to help you process this information, get it from your head to your heart. For our current series, um, Um, Please make sure you're signed up for our newsletters that go out every Monday where we send out journaling prompts for all of this week's episodes to kind of help you just process through and understand how this information can be relevant for your daily life. So I pray all those resources are a blessing to you. We're going to be in Psalm 65 today, and this is a psalm that I think is so telling of God's heart for God's people and this idea of grace, and I just pray that packing, unpacking this today will be a blessing for you. So I'm going to start at verse 1, and this is a psalm of David, and I'm reading from the NIV. Praise awaits you, O God, in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. O you who hear prayer, to you all men will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those who you choose and bring near to live in our courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome deeds of righteousness, O God our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power. Having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations, those living far away fear your wonders, where morning dawns and evening fades, you call forth songs of joy, you care for the land and water it, you enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges, you soften it with showers and bless its crops. 
crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the desert overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. Praise God. So the big idea that we see in Psalm 65 is this idea that God's forgiveness and the wonders of nature kind of come together as both being witnesses of, of God's grace. And so the key themes that we see over and over in Psalm 65 are two, two things essentially. First is redemption. So in verse three, it talks about how when we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. So it's this idea of redemption. And then there's a second part that really hones in on this idea of creation in, in verses six and seven, where it says, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of the waves and the turmoil of the nations. It's, it's really this picture of both redemption and creation. And what we see in Psalm 65 is those two things are intrinsically linked. And, and that's a common thing in the Psalms. Creation and redemption are, are closely linked. We see that as a recurring theme. And the reason is, at least in, in today's Psalm, is that we're un- having this understanding that this link is showcasing this idea that only the creator can redeem the creation. I'm going to say that again. Only the creator can redeem his creation. And so the very DNA of redemption is written into the story of creation. Psalm 65 is a psalm that would have been used as a community psalm, a Thanksgiving psalm. And what you'll remember about the psalms is because this was the hymn book of Israel, especially with a community psalm like this, it would have been used, of course, it would have been maybe originally written by David, but it would have been used in in worship. It would have been used in a community setting. So when we look back and we listen to some of the words of Psalm 65, they may feel familiar and they may feel feel or remind us of other parts of scripture. And that's intentional because as a hymn of Israel, this is something that's going to be used throughout Israel's history, this, this book of the Psalms. And, and you'll remember even later in the New Testament, often Jesus and the New Testament authors would be quoting the Psalms. So this is content that they knew that was on their heart, they were familiar with, and they would have referred to a lot. There's two elements we see. The first is there's a report of this crisis that is generating the thanksgiving. And so it's talking about being overwhelmed by sins and then acknowledging that that God delivered them from those sins. And that is producing this thankfulness, this real spirit of thanksgivings, of thankfulness that, um, that God was intervening on their behalf. And then the second is this account of essentially a harvest. You have to remember that the Psalms were written in, I say this all the time, they are written for us, but they were not written to us. This, the original audience was, you know, a completely different scenario than what we have. Now, God is the same and what we can learn about God is the same, but you have to recognize that this was an agrarian society and an agricultural culture. And so they would be talking about festivals like, um, the Passover or the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which have been would have been like the barley harvest or the Feast of Weeks, which would have been the wheat harvest or the Feast of Tabernacles, which would have been the grape harvest. And so we have to recognize that there's elements of that within this psalm that we might 
you know, not necessarily recognized or it might confuse us, but it's giving credence again to God as creator as the one who provides and has provision for them literally, physically, and meeting those needs in, in the agricultural sense. So we really see this psalm falling into two distinct parts. Part one is dealing with the forgiveness of sins. And then as it transitions into part two, it it even refers to like the, the farthest of the seas and the ends of the earth. And it is focusing on God's creation of the world. So when it's talking about who formed the world, who stilled the waters, it's it's moving into this idea of how the creator cares for his creation. And so this psalm is essentially a praise to God for his intervention on the behalf of mankind in both the sense of forgiveness and then just even creating and providing for us in the first place. There is not a clear understanding from scholars as far as the historical setting. Um, we know it's a it's a psalm that David wrote, but because it was a community psalm, there are elements that that we see throughout Scripture and other places. So, for example, um, when Sennacherib invaded Judah back in 701 BC during uh, King Hezekiah's reign, there was an abundant harvest that Isaiah had promised in the third year, and the, that general time frame could be a possibility when when this psalm entered into the community use. Um, but even if if that was the situation and that's when they were using it as far as the community sense, David was the author of this. And remember, these psalms would have been reused in lots of different contexts and in different situations. Culturally speaking, though, um, there's just this undercurrent of the agrarian nature of the the Israelites and how dependent they were on the elements, the rainfall, um, the, the crops for that year, the 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 way that they took care of the animals and the way that the animals participated in their lives. And in that ancient Near Eastern culture, you really could not separate that from the rest of society. It was just, you know, it's almost like saying, um, separating the, the agriculture from, from that culture, that time frame would be like separating social media from our society. Now it's just, it's, it's defined as an agrarian society because that's essentially what it was made up of and it was the undercurrent throughout this entire psalm and all of the psalms for that matter. There's a couple things I want to point out that I think might be helpful. In verse 1, when it talks about praise awaits you, O God, in Zion, to you our vows will be fulfilled. The word there that's saying await, that word occurs um, also in Psalm 62. We saw that a couple days ago. And it can be translated as silence. And so um, what we're seeing here is how silence is essentially praise. But fulfilling a vow in that culture would also require a peace offering and singing a praise to God. So essentially what this is saying is to pay a vow and to have a peace offering is is worship. It is praise. It is um, an act, a, a religious act that they were doing in response to God's intervention on their behalf. And then in verse 3, when it says, when we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave. Literally what that's saying is that our transgressions, our sins were, were overwhelming, were too strong for us. And in that moment where we were going to break, you forgave us. And so that Psalm recognizes our sin, but we don't have to 
not just us, but them, we, we don't have to rest in this place of sin that gives us despair because we have a God of grace that speaks into that place and forgives us and enables us to have this right relationship with that's restored through Jesus. And so already we see this beautiful picture of redemption where um, the response to that redemption is really grace and, and, and celebration and thankfulness because we don't have to live and be bound in that mess of sin. In verse four, um, it says those you choose. And so it's talking about being filled with the good things of your house. And so this verse um, probably was a prayer that people recited as they passed through the gates of the temple when it was used in the community sense. So I think we're going to stop right there and we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into the rest of this psalm. Stay tuned. So when it's talking about how those people have been chosen, there's two elements that are going on there. It could be talking about those that are chosen as far as those that have been redeemed specifically and individually, but it also could have had this collective meaning, which is how the NIV translates it, where it's talking about all people and when it's talking about how those you choose, it's not necessarily talking about the priests and the Levites that were responsible for performing those Thanksgiving sacrifices, but it's really more talking about believers, of followers of God, of followers of Yahweh. In 65 verse 7, we're going to make a little bit of a shift. So this first part of the psalm is talking about redemption. And then it shifts into the creation section. So when it's talking about who stilled the roaring of the seas, who calmed the turmoil of the nations. And so what it's doing here is it's talking about God in this idea that, that God rules over the seas. And he's the one that keeps the water from flooding the land. He's the one that has control of the stillness and the roaring of the seas. And that to me always reminds me of later in um, the story of where the disciples are on the Sea of Galilee and there's a huge storm and Jesus is the one that stands up and says, peace be still. We see this picture of God, both God the Father and God the Son through the Holy Spirit being the one that is in charge, that that calms the seas, that, that can control the seas. And so this it's this talking about this aspect of the creator controlling the creation. And then, of course, redeeming the creation. So it talks about the wonders and it talks about how the word is designating miraculous signs. When it, that word wonders, it's the same word in verse 8. It's the same word that is used when it's talking about the, the signs and wonders that came out of Egypt. Um, which I don't know if you knew that, but for me, that's... Um, a clear picture that God is still, even at this point, alive and active and working and moving. And and even when it comes to signs and wonders, a lot of people do not think that that is something that God currently does. I 1000% believe it. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I've experienced it, that we serve a God that still is in the business of doing the miraculous, um, whether it's healing or intervening on our behalf in some sort of way, that we serve a God that longs to do that and longs to be in, in that place in our lives. And we have to remember, I say, this all the time. We are learning about God's character and God's nature. And God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so if we see a God in Egypt that is working with signs and wonders on the behalf of his people, 
And then we see in the Psalms a God that is working in signs and wonders on behalf of his people. Then we can be assured that today, in in today's day and age, we serve a God who works in signs and wonders on behalf of his people. That is another message for another day. But um, you can back, go back and listen to some of the experiences I've shared in the past couple, epi- or not couple, past episodes of the podcast where I share some of my own personal experiences with that, but that's a sidebar. Um, but essentially the book of Psalms more than any other book in scripture creates for us as the readers, this, this consciousness of sin, and then this overwhelming power of forgiveness. And that response is this thanksgiving as we receive this grace that is connected then to this idea of the creator and how he has worked on the behalf of creation to redeem it and i think it's always appropriate for us to ask how this connects to the new testament and the apostles themselves had this content in their mind because they knew these scriptures. This was their hymn book. This was their scripture. And so for the apostles that are living at the time of Jesus, they're looking through this lens of the creator, the creation and redemption. And as they see this play, this play out, God's eternal plan of redemption, it started back in creation. The Jewish uh, mentality, especially at that time, and I think it's still maybe um, said today, but but it can be showcased by this Jewish saying where um, there was this sentiment that two stones should be carried in the pocket. And on one of the stones, it would say, I am but dust and ashes. And then on the other stone, it would say, for my sake, the world was created. And you could use that stone as a reminder, depending on what you needed at the time. And so for David and from his perspective, beginning with redemption and proceeding through creation, there is this similar sense that God's forgiveness has triggered this grace that we see because God as the creator can redeem his creation. And so there's this relationship here between the two that becomes the foundation of a lot of theology that we see in the New Testament where Paul even says that God has chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's Ephesians 1.4. And so he's talking about before the foundation of the world, before creation, that we are part of the redemption plan that God has for us. And I think that's a beautiful picture and we don't always equate the two together. But when we meet the creator at the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1 and 2 and we're meeting the creator, we are also meeting the redeemer. And when we talk about the redeemer, he is the creator. And so he is the one that forgives our sins. He is the one that restores us and redeems us as his creation. And so the fact that God had redemption in mind already way back in Genesis at the very beginning of things, that is a prophecy really that's carried through in the Psalms, even here, that points forward to this redemption plan that God has to use Jesus to redeem us. And 
that whole storyline of scripture, it's the gospel. It's this wonderful grace that we only have access to because of Jesus. And so this psalm is pointing forward to that, but rejoicing because creation is this thing that we all can reconcile with. We can all see, we can all witness that even if we didn't a hundred percent know all of the ins and outs of the Bible and the theology and all of those things, we can witness God as creator because of the creation. We can look at that and say, man, there's some sort of order here. There's some sort of plan here that this didn't all just happen by accident. And so that's really what I want to leave you with as as we go back and we read Psalm 65 to think about the connection between redemption and creation. And hopefully in you, it does the same thing as it did in the psalm. It produces this this thanksgiving, this this appreciation for the grace of of the creator that offers to us redemption throughout this storyline of scripture as we see Jesus step into that rescue plan that God has for us. So I'm going to start again with verse 1. Praise awaits you, O God, in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. O you who hear prayer, to you all men will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome deeds of righteousness, O God, our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas who formed the mountains by your power having armed yourself with strength who stilled the roaring of the seas the roaring of their waves and the turmoil of the nations those living far away fear your wonders where morning dawns and evening fades you call forth songs of joy you care for the land and water it you enrich it abundantly the streams of god are filled with water to provide the people with grain for so you have ordained it you drench its furrows and level its ridges you soften it with showers and bless its crops you crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance the grasslands of the desert overflow the hills are clothed with gladness the meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with grain they shout for joy and sing god we praise you and we thank you as creator that you have this plan for redemption that you are at work in our lives that the creator redeems its creation god i i pray that you would reveal to us our part in that plan and the way that you long to draw us into this redemption plan you have for us god help the response of our hearts to be one of thanksgiving and praise for the grace that you offer us god i thank you for the way that you are revealing yourself to us through your word the power that's there when we recognize who you are and who you've called us to be as followers of god god i thank you for your hand of redemption in our lives and i pray that even in the moments that we are too busy to read the word. We are too busy to listen to a podcast. We're too busy to be in a devotional that we can look out and we can recognize by your spirit, the redemption plan you have through creation. God, I thank you for the way that you continually remind us of how incredibly much we are loved. I thank you and I praise you in all things. Amen. Hey friend, do you feel like you need a little one-on-one? My goal for the She Hears ministry, the Hearing Jesus podcast, all the resources that we have is to really help you learn how to hear God's voice so that you can be confident in your relationship with him. And if you're struggling to learn how to identify or even overcome the barriers that you have in your life to growth, I want to be able to walk through that with you. Did you know that I'm a Christian life coach? 
Maybe you're struggling with something and you need some objective biblical insight or opinions, or maybe you need to work through something that feels just a little bit too heavy to do on your own. I would love to walk through that with you and land on some practical ways to achieve that goal. And so I have some limited coaching opportunities. If you go to shehears.org, there's a section where you can schedule some one-on-one time with me. I have Mondays and Fridays open right now going into the new year. So I pray that if that is something that you need, that you've been praying about, that it would be an opportunity for you to take advantage of some one-on-one time with me. And again, my heart is really to help you lean into whatever it is that God is calling you to do. I pray that that's a blessing for you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call on your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.